Today on Locked On, Anaheim Ducks, an interview with Sportsnet's Justin Morissette as we discuss yesterday's victory over the Vancouver Canucks. Join us on Locked On, Anaheim Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Surprise, everyone. It's Monday morning, and this is Locked On Anaheim Ducks, your daily podcast covering the OC's hockey team. Don't forget that you will get fresh daily content Monday through Friday, despite the fact that I said that there would be no show today. Well, surprise, I ended up having a special interview with Justin Morissette from Sportsnet. He covers the Vancouver Canucks, and we'll get to that momentarily. First, I want to let you know that you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, or try looking manually on the Apple or Google Podcasts. If you're listening already, be sure to like, comment, and most of all, subscribe. And follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks, or follow me personally at StimpyJD. And keep checking those tweets. It's going to be a busy week of hockey this week. The Ducks play later today on this Monday afternoon. Then they got a couple more games this week. And we're going to talk about yesterday's victory over the Vancouver Canucks. The Ducks ended up winning 5-1. Ryan Getzloff did score a point. Adam Henrique scored two goals. And best of all, the hashtag Elite1C had a nice goal in the first period. We're going to talk about that, among other things. And also, before I get into the interview, this is not going to be the entire interview. Most of it will be played today. The last part of the interview with Justin Morissette will be on tomorrow's podcast, which is Tuesday. So without further ado, here is the interview with Justin Morissette. Enjoy, everyone. And now joining me from Locked on Canucks and Sportsnet 650, right? Correct. Yeah, it is Justin Morissette. Justin, how are you doing tonight? Good, man, JD. Glad to be back chatting with you again after... Uh, a week of two emotional extremes, but wildly different extremes, I feel like, for both of our teams this week. Of course, up in Vancouver, this has been Sedine Week. You guys uh, came into town for the, the Sedine Week finale. It was Legacy Night honoring uh, their co- commitments in the community, everything that they've done for children's hospitals over the years, all of the lives that they have changed through their dedication to charity work here in Vancouver. And uh, I guess the Canucks were feeling a little bit charitable as well because they gave the (laughs) game away to Anaheim in this one. They certainly did. Uh, Let's talk about the game first for a split second because the Ducks do a good job defensively against certain teams, and they've done so against Vancouver on multiple occasions this year. I can hearken back to the Dia de los Muertos game in early November, where the Ducks won in overtime against the Vancouver Canucks. And then tonight, 5-1. to one. I didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, not at all. But if they were, you know, charitable tonight for uh, Legacy Night, then I guess they were playing dead on uh, Day of the Dead back in October or November, <laughs> or whenever that was as well. So uh, Canucks been fitting the themes with their performances in these Anaheim games so far this year. But, uh, J.D., you and I were talking about this before we started recording because – I don't tend to think of Anaheim as a team that plays, you know, a structured defensive game when you look at who they have on the back end. You know, you guys are missing Eric Goodbranson at the moment. He missed uh, Sunday's game with an injury, and that is 
something of a blow apparently to uh, this Anaheim defense, which might be hard to believe uh, for Vancouver fans who watched good Branson play up here. Uh, you know, a guy like Michael Delzato has been a regular in the Anaheim lineup. He was scratched on Sunday as well. Uh, but when I think of a team that has those two guys as part of its defensive core, one is a regular, one is an extra. I don't think smothering style defensively necessarily, but this is a team for whom John Gibson is your best player on a night in and night out basis. And I would assume that uh, the coach's game plan kind of goes in accordance with that. When your best player is your goalie, you try to make life as easy for him as possible. And Vancouver has honestly struggled all year long against teams that play a structured defense, whether that is, uh, you know, they, they had some trouble in the early going against uh, the Edmonton Oilers who were playing a much more conservative style under Dave Tippett. They've certainly struggled against the Dallas stars so far this yep. year. The only defensive team they really seem to get up for, and I've talked about this multiple times on Locked on Canucks over the course of this season, is the St. Louis Blues. And that is, of course, a team that has the added benefit of being the defending Stanley Cup champs, which when you're the champs, I mean, yes, you won the championship last year. Congratulations. There is no benefit carrying into the next season because you're the best team in the league, because you've got that trophy title next to your name from the previous year. Everybody yeah. brings their game and wants to beat you as best as they can outside yes. of the blues. Vancouver does not tend to have the ability to battle through when defensive teams put together a rather smothering structure against them. And I don't think of Anaheim as being a team like that. I mean, no offense to you, JD, no offense to your <laughs> listeners, no offense to the fine people of Anaheim. I tend to think of the Ducks as being one of the lesser lights of the NHL, one of the worst teams in the league this year. And yet it makes no sense to me uh, that Vancouver would have such trouble against them this year. It's not like the Canucks are world beaters by any means, but they are a playoff team. And Anaheim is one of the teams that they should be kind of putting behind them to create some separation at the top of the Pacific Division. They simply can't <laughs> do it. Is Anaheim better defensively than I think they are in my mind? I will say yes to that because their top pairings on defense are among the more elite defensive pairings. When you think about who they still have, they have Hampus Lindholm, who is still a premier defenseman. You have Josh Manson, who, for better or worse, is a great defenseman, despite what some fans may think of him tonight. Uh, Josh Manson, of course, only got a double minor at the end of the second period, which was bizarre because Josh Manson could have gotten more minutes on that third man in. He was the third man in there attacking Tyler Myers and granted the guy that Myers wanted to go with didn't want to fight him. I think it was Silverberg. It was, it was Silverberg. So what happened was Max Jones initially got Pedersen with a clean shoulder to shoulder hit. You know, I guess the Canucks thought it was a harder hit than normal. It, it was hard right here. You got to understand JD. We are coming <laughs> off of uh, an uh, event a couple weeks ago now where Matt Grizzlick of the Bruins just rocked. Right. Patterson. Late hit, right. took him out of the next game against the Minnesota Wild. And ever since that hit, ever since Petey missed that game, Vancouver, who as a team up to that point, only had like two, I believe, fighting majors on the entire season up to that point, has been fighting consistently ever since that game, especially when anyone so much as looks at Elias Pettersson the wrong way. So you are perhaps catching this Vancouver team at a very sensitive time as far as uh, teams taking physical liberties with Elias Pettersson. And you say that, and guess who is the 
most penalized team. And guess which NHL team has the most fighting majors right now? Uh, would that be the truculent Anaheim Ducks? Oh, that would be correct. And those points do not go towards Hockey Jeopardy next time. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is the Anaheim Ducks who have 20-something fighting majors. Half of those come at the hands of Nicholas Delorier, who, by the way, signed a two-year extension. Just over the weekend, Nick Delorier signed a two-year, $2 million extension. That's only a million AAV. That's not bad. Kind of surprising then that we didn't see a fight on Sunday. Because so am I. There were a couple of moments where it seemed like it was going to happen, that altercation at the end of the second period with Manson and Myers, uh, chief among them. But uh, no, the refs just took a million years trying to decipher what penalties they, they were going to call there. It felt like the final three seconds of that second period went on for about as long as the last five minutes before them did. Uh, but in the end, uh, no, I don't even think anybody got a power play coming out of that. It no, was it was it was coincidentals, five on five. You know that lasted as long as the fourth quarter of the All Star game for the NBA <laughs> this year. <laughs> uh, uh, but yes, yeah. I watched most of that. Yes, we do have listeners that watch basketball as well. Hey, I, we we like basketball up here in in Canada now. We are a Raptors uh, obsessed country ever since that playoff run last year. There were Raps fans up here before, but it's taken on a different level. Anyway, and guess and guess who won the NBA All Star MVP? I'm oh, sorry, the Kobe Bryant All Star MVP. It would be one Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we don't uh, we don't talk about Kawhi north of the border anymore. Actually, I'm gonna hey, gonna he, ask you to edit he, that part. He's <laughs> he still he still won you guys a championship in Toronto. It's true. But it's anyway, true. back back to the defense. Um, yes. Um, someone else that gets overlooked quite a bit is Cam Fowler. Cam Fowler, who by the way tonight had a nice little apple uh, early in the game. Cam Fowler is one of those unsung defensive players for the Ducks, and he has been for a long time. But when I look at the other defensive pairings, there's two other players that have just been brought up from the San Diego goals that Dallas Eakins is very high on. And one of those players is Brendan Gooley. Brendan Gooley just last week was still in San Diego playing down in the AHL level. And then you see him come up almost immediately to the Ducks and contribute in a big way. He had a big goal tonight. Uh, Brendan Gooley did. Had the 5-1 goal that put it uh, out of reach, basically, late in the third period. I yeah. love the name, too. He's got to be considered a shoe-in for the NHL all-name team. Oh, Brendan at Gooley? At point in his career, I need to see him on a defensive pairing with Shane Gostas Bear. I need Gooley and Ghost Gooley and on Ghost. the pairing. Super Ghouls and Ghosts, baby. They take you back to your Super wow. Nintendo. If we're going to go back to Super Nintendo, we got to go back to the days of... Contra. Uh, you know, never mind. We could talk about video games all day. We could. Yeah, that, that's another show. Yeah. As I'm looking at the Super Nintendo right now. But anyway, that's another story for another day. Uh, someone else that I was very impressed with, I could say Adam Henry. He got two goals. Yes, sure. But Ducks fans are always happy when I mention the hashtag Elite1C, Derek Grant, who had two points tonight, a goal and an assist. Derek. And he would have been fired up because he was playing in front of his hometown crowd. There you go. Product of Abbotsford. He's a BC boy somewhere in the lower mainland. If not Abbotsford, I'm mistaken. And my apologies to the Grant family. But I know that uh, his goal on the night that made it 2 nothing in the first period was uh, 
uh, against his hometown team. So he would have been extra fired up for this one. Oh, he was. That whole goal was really nice because Ryan Getzloff had the puck behind the net. He was kind of fading, fading, and trying to make a turnaround. And then all of a sudden, he flicks the puck back behind him, almost a no-look pass right to Derek Grant, who put it on really easily. But I was actually really impressed with Getzlaff in this game. For a guy that, you know, I think often gets thought of as being perhaps uh, past his prime, washed up at this stage of his career, well, he, he could go tonight. I was, I was impressed. I wouldn't say washed up. Past his prime, sure, but washed up. Ryan well, Getzloff is still the leading scorer for the Anaheim Ducks right now. Let that fact sink in. Somebody's got to score. Who else is it going to be? Derek Grant? I guess hey, he did. Derek play. Grant is the best hockey player in the world. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, no, a, a solid night for the Ducks. I, I mean, we were kind of talking about it earlier, and I feel like the emotions of this week played into both teams' performances uh, on Sunday afternoon because – uh, I, I wanted to ask you about this as we got started. I wanted to, you know, make like the Sedins and put the the pressing issue of the moment uh, on hold for uh, for just the time being, so that we can pay our respects and and tip the cap in the direction of Jay Bomeister. And when I say yes. pay our respects, it makes it sound like he's passed away. Jay, by all accounts, is doing great, but he is uh, is I believe still in hospital, even like five six days after this incident yes, took he place. Is. Yes. And you were at that game, J.D. This took place in a, a contest between the Anaheim Ducks and the St. Louis Blues on Tuesday night. You were there in attendance uh, at the uh, the Duck Pond, whatever that arena is called these days. It's still uh, called the meaning, Ponda. I, I've been meaning to ask you what that was like because, uh, you know, obviously a difficult thing to watch from the comfort of our own homes on television, a difficult thing to follow along with. Uh, on Twitter as we're just breathlessly waiting on updates from uh, seemed like Darren Pang was the only guy who knew what was really going on after it all went down. But Jay Bomeister collapses on the bench in Anaheim on Tuesday night. You are in attendance in the stands at that game. What was the atmosphere like in the building? Okay, so it was pretty nice going up to the game. You know, there was the whole, you know, Ryan Miller getting thin mints before the game, playing rock, paper, scissors before the game which doesn't go mentioned as much, but Ryan Miller was having a lot of fun before the game. And there was a plethora of families there. Once Jay Bomeister immediately collapsed, and right away several players called for a medic, this came up on the Ducks broadcast. I don't know about the Blues broadcast. But where it happened, there were families right by the bench. And on one camera view, that's kind of an auxiliary view, you could see a kid kind of not sobbing, but looking just extremely concerned and you could see the mother clutching his clutching her young son as he's watching this all unfold and where i was i was in clear view of the blues bench unfortunately i could see the staff doing cpr doing chest compressions i could see the aed coming out and where i was and where the fans happened to be at that area fans were stunned they were completely baffled as to what was going on. And then once they saw the AED coming out, that's when they realized, oh, no. And there was a, an older couple around me that said, oh, like, please, like, pray for this poor boy. And you could just feel the air sucked out of the building and not in a good way. It came, it became this wave of concern for Jay Bomeister once we realized what was going on. And once it came out on Twitter, 
that it was Jay Bomeister, and this was first reported by Eric Stevens of The Athletic. When he first mentioned that, that's where the wave began to go around the arena, and you began to feel the sense of, oh no, this is one of the good guys in the league, Jay Bomeister, not him. After a minute, you know, every Ducks player was on the ice with almost the whole blue squad, and players were consoling each other, fans were consoling each other, everybody was just collectively sad. At that point, after about four minutes, you know, the medical staff, you know, they safely transported him. And that was great. But for a few seconds, it got very, very quiet. You could hear a pin drop at that point, as I described it before. That's a silence that you really don't get that often. It was an eerie silence during the whole situation. Once the Ducks and Blues fans, there were maybe two, three thousand Blues fans there. When they realized what was happening, it was Dead silent. And it was the quietest I'd ever heard the Ponda. Probably ever. Meanwhile, in Vancouver, the big uh, emotions that we were feeling this week were positive emotions. Uh, the Sedin jersey retirement, of course, on Wednesday night, honoring the two best Canucks to really ever put on the sweater here in Vancouver. Two of the best players that this city will ever see and certainly surefire Hall of Fame players. Vancouver kind of had an emotional letdown after that ceremony. They got just, I mean, unbelievably outworked and outshot in particular by the uh, Chicago Blackhawks on Wednesday. But the one guy who showed up to play was Jacob Markstrom, who had Mm -hmm. a record-setting performance between uh, the pipes for Vancouver. He set the franchise record for most saves in a uh, single game shutout for the Canucks with 49. You'd think maybe a performance like that where your goalie bails you out would perhaps inspire you to play a little bit better, but I don't know, maybe the emotions of this week and having three days off kind of led to a lull game because that's certainly what Vancouver had, I feel like, on Sunday afternoon against Anaheim. But for Anaheim, you already had that emotional letdown game on Thursday night because, yes, I alluded to the fact earlier that the Anaheim Ducks are a bad team this year, but they are not 6 nothing at the hands of the Calgary Flames bad. I would imagine that Thursday's performance for Anaheim after they had the day off on Wednesday did not practice after the Jay Bomeister incident on Tuesday night. Uh, you know, was probably one of their worst games of the season. And is it correct to assume that uh, they were inspired for a bounce-back performance Sunday in Vancouver? Absolutely. The fact that they just were not emotionally all there. And this was even alluded to in a couple of articles on The Athletic. You know, Thursday, the Ducks, their heads just were not in the game. They were not able to get out of the clouds. Once they were down 4 nothing in the first period, and fans could see this, media could see this, everybody could see this. They just were not there on Thursday. Their minds were still thinking about Jay Bomeister. Even before the game, there was a very emotional, I guess, tribute to Jay once the PA announcer Phil Hewlett said that Bomeister was doing better in hospital, but he was still at UCI. There's still that concern because it's the great unknown. We still don't know what's happening. I mean, that's why the game was postponed ultimately. Like, we had Gary Bettman on the radio broadcast on Wednesday night during the intermission to talk about 
of the Sedins and what Henrik and Daniel have meant to Vancouver over the years. He was on hand for the retirement ceremony to see their jerseys go up to the rafters. The first thing that they talked about was what had gone down in Anaheim the night before. And Bettman talked about like, yes, we knew that Jay was going to be okay. He was responsive. He had a motion of his, in his extremities. Like he was boarding the ambulance and was attentive and reacting to everything that everyone was saying to him. We knew that he was going to be okay. But having said that, the players are not in a condition to focus on the game, which makes continuing that game just as dangerous as anything that happened to Jay Bomeister. Because if you are not properly focused on the task at hand, you know, hockey is a fast, rapid sport. And if you're not attentive, dangerous things can happen to you on the ice. That game was postponed because of safety concerns, not for Jay Bomeister, but for the remaining players who were expected to go out and continue playing. So yes. it makes complete sense that if they didn't have the focus there, uh, on on Tuesday to continue that game mentally, you might not be able to snap back into that mode for a little while, especially if they had you know some days off of practice and their first time jumping back into it is that game against the Flames on Thursday. Yeah, and I feel like this was a bounce back game for the Ducks because after they pretty much laid that egg, it was good that the Ducks had two days off. What apparently happened was they did not fly out to Canada on Friday. They stayed in Anaheim on Thursday. And just from what I've heard, there was a couple players, I don't know who, but there was still a couple players that went to the hospital on Friday just to visit Jay and see how he's doing. I'm very glad that the Anaheim players are continually checking up on him, and so are the Anaheim doctors. It's it's kind of weird. It feels like Jay Bomeister is kind of now part Anaheim duck in the minds of fans around here. Like, we've almost taken him on as one of the Ducks' roster mates all of a sudden which is kind of a a weird thing to be honest so i think having the players just communicate with him on friday and not have to travel and not have to have a practice up in vancouver i think it was good for them to just kind of have that day and take a deep breath and say okay i'm gonna spend the day with our families gonna make sure that he's okay and just check in and see how he's doing once they were able to take a deep breath and clear their heads and not think about hockey for a day, I think that helped them in the greatest capacity. And it was obvious on set on Sunday just how inspired they were to play against Vancouver. And not to say that Vancouver does poorly against the Ducks. I mean, yes, this is two performances where the Ducks have beaten Vancouver mostly on defense. But there is something to say about playing inspired hockey after a seemingly traumatic event. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I'm sure that, you know... You guys already got your wake-up call game on Thursday against Calgary. Yeah, That was a wake-up call game for Vancouver on Sunday because as much as we here in, in the market locally have talked about, oh, the, the franchise is doing this perfectly. The Sedins mean so much to this city. They are such larger-than-life figures uh, within the hockey community here in Vancouver that you cannot just have one night. It cannot just be Sedin night where you retire their jerseys and the banners go up. You need to do Sedin week to fully uh, encapsulate everything that they've meant to the market and do three specialty-themed nights honoring the Twins all in a row within one week. I get that that sounds like a good idea on paper, and it sounds like a wonderful way to honor your your history and honor two of the best players who've ever played for your franchise, as I mentioned. But I also suspect that as a player, playing three home games in a row where you have 
pregame ceremonies, in some cases lengthy pregame ceremonies, mm-hmm. it, it's, it adds up a lot to do that three times in a row within one week where mentally you've thrown in an additional hurdle into your pregame routine to keep you from kind of getting your head where it needs to be before puck drops. So I could see that completely just being too much for Vancouver's players because they really did not show up in the first period uh, on Sunday. It took them a little while. They, they looked themselves certainly a bit more in the second. And when, you know, by, by the time the third period came around, they're just taking so many chances trying to climb back in the game on the scoreboard that they might be leaving themselves a bit too open on the back end to allow the Ducks to continue building on that lead. Uh, But, you know, I'm sure on some level, as much as it's been great to watch these ceremonies as a fan here in Vancouver, the team itself is probably happy that Sedin Week is over. They're probably glad not to have those lengthy. It it takes a lot out of you when you have 10 minute ceremonies, even watching games live. It takes a lot out of you. I mean, the one on Wednesday was a full hour. Oh, my God. (laughs) No, it was great. It was wonderful. Kevin Bieksa gave a big speech. He was hilarious. I oh, my God. That, that was great. I wouldn't change that in the slightest way. I had a wonderful time watching that. But that's a that's an hour-long ceremony, maybe 45 minutes, and then they do warm-up. They do another skate after that ceremony is over. And I know, like, it's good that the warm-up came after, so it's not like their legs got cold or whatever, but it still affects the the mental element of the game. And... This was a wake-up call for Vancouver. This is exactly the sort of performance that the Ducks had against the Flames on Thursday. I'm sure that the bounce-back performance that Anaheim had against Vancouver on Sunday is very similar to the performance that Vancouver will probably have against whoever's next here later in the week. Which means Anaheim will probably flop against Cal... I'm kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Or it also means Vancouver could do very well against Minnesota coming up this week. Yeah, we'll see. We shall see. But um... At least there's two days off before that game. Once again, huge thank you to Justin Morissette. You can find him on Twitter at Justin Morris. That's J-U-S-T-I-N-M-O-R-I-S. You can find him on Twitter. He also hosts Locked on Canucks, and you can find him as the Wrestle Central host on Sportsnet 650 Vancouver. And with that, you can hear the rest of our interview tomorrow. We have one more segment that I'm going to save for tomorrow. I want to tell you that you can download today's podcast or any of the previous episodes on the Lockdown Podcast Network via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Also, please make sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or follow me personally at StimpyJD. And please follow the Twitter accounts as you'll see some updates on the Ducks and hockey in general. It is trade deadline week, so keep a close eye on that. There may be a trade. There might not. We'll wait and see. And I want to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to like, comment, subscribe if you haven't already. Again, this show will not be possible without all y'all listening, so thank you very much. If you want to talk hockey with me, hit me up on Twitter at LO underscore Ducks or email me at LockedOnAnaheimDucks at gmail.com. Thank you once again for Locked On Anaheim Ducks. I'm Jason J.D. Hernandez saying have a great week. I'll see you at the arena and stay cool, Anaheim.